before I speak. Lord, speak through me this morning. Speak through your word. And be with each of those here as they hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, so we're in this Genesis series, aren't we? And this is actually my first Sunday here with the Genesis series, although through the joys of technology I've been able to hear Peter and John's uh, sermons for the last two weeks, so I know what's been said, which is good. (laughs) Um, And just wanted to give a bit of a background, I suppose, because many months ago the preaching and teaching team meets every few months to decide what we're going to, to speak about. And it was probably back in December, I think, we met and we decided to focus on Genesis, partly because we had not done a series on Genesis before, um, but also I think we felt that it would be really important to be reminded of this story of salvation, where it began, where it came from. A few weeks ago, we had Chloe's dedication, didn't we? I'm sure a number of you were here. And I spoke and I said that she was being invited into a story, didn't I? A story about the way that the world is. And this is the beginning of that story in Genesis, this this first book of the Bible. And it's quite an odd story in many ways, isn't it? That God chose this little group of people out of all the people in the whole world. He chose this little group of people thousands of years ago to witness to the whole world what he is like and how his salvation comes about. And we began, didn't we, with Abraham in Ur. Peter spoke on that a few weeks ago. He was asked to travel to a new land. And Peter spoke of the blessing for the nations, this blessing that's not something that we hold on to, but it's a dynamic blessing that God's election of this people, as odd as it sounds, it's not that he chose this people and forgot about everyone else, but he chose the Hebrew nation. He chose Abraham on behalf of the rest of the world. That's how God chose to, to bring his blessing to the, to, the, to the world. Last week, John spoke on Isaac, this difficult story of, that we have to wrestle with, of, of Abraham nearly um, sacrificing uh, his son. And now we have Jacob, these three major patriarchs. And throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, certainly, God reminds his people, doesn't he? He says, remember, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's right. And Jacob is the third of these. Before we look at the exact text, I wanted to look a little bit at Jacob because it's part of the challenge of looking at a book like Genesis is there's about 12 chapters or something that cover uh, who Jacob was. And we can't cover all 12 chapters. Maybe at some stage we'll do a series on Jacob or Abraham. But today we're just looking at one part of it. But I want to, you know, for some of you, you will have read all of those chapters and you'll know who he is. For some others, maybe this character of Jacob is quite new. So who was this Jacob? He was quite an interesting character. In fact, he certainly didn't fit the bill of the kind of meek and mild biblical characters that we may be told uh, sometimes exist in, in churches. He certainly isn't that. Um, when he is, uh, whose son is he? Anyone? He is Isaac's son, that's right. And Isaac, and even in the son uh, of Rebecca's womb, he uh, is fighting with his brother. Anyone know? Esau, that's right. So he's already fighting in the womb. And he grew up, uh, and there's an occasion where he goes and he steals the blessing of his brother. 
which is a pretty mean thing to do, isn't it? It's not something that you kind of think that that's like, you know, a good thing to be doing, but he goes and does that. Um, and his mother, Rebecca, tells him more or less that he likes, she likes him better than his brother. So he says, go, go and get this blessing. And he pretends to be Esau and he fools his father into giving him his blessing. And Esau's very, very angry. So he ends up having to, to run away from his family. And this is where our story comes in that Lynn just read. Um, he, he, as well as running, running away, he also wants a wife from among his people. So he is sent uh, by his mum to his relative Laban. And Laban uh, tricks him into marrying both of his daughters, uh, which again is a bit of an odd kind of twist to the story. Um, and through them, he has his 12 sons uh, and probably daughters as well, although we're not really told about that. But these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is where Jacob uh, as well gets his name Israel when he wrestles with the angel. The angel gives him a new name. He says, you will be angel, uh, you will be Israel because I wrestled with you. But it doesn't even stop there because of the 12 sons that he has, he even likes one of them best, doesn't he? I mean, I, you know, we're talking about Mother's Day today. It's not best practice, is it, if you have children to kind of single out one of your children that you like best. But he says, Joseph, I like you best out of all my children. So this guy, Jacob, he's not a standard kind of stand-up kind of guy, I suppose, from our modern standards, perhaps. But he is, yes, the father of this nation of Israel that we um, need to think about and need to reflect on today. So that's a little bit of a background to him. But what about this passage that we looked at today, this amazing uh, ladder uh, that's going up and down? Let's have a look at it today. Um, and I think it's a really beautiful story because it, um, it yeah, says three things to us that I want to draw out today. And I want to look at this today. So let's just re reflect on what has happened in the story. So he's on his way to Laban. He's on his way. And he takes a stone for a pillow. Has anyone ever slept on a stone before? No? It's probably not very comfortable, is it? I've never done that. But there you go. Uh, yeah. And he has this dream. God speaks through dreams, doesn't he? I believe he still speaks through dreams today. And he has a dream where these angels are going up and down from heaven to the earth. And God is standing at the top. And he tells Jacob that this land that he's sitting on... Uh, right now, where is it on a map? This is where we are, just north of Jerusalem, Bethel. That's roughly where they, they think it is. This land is going to be yours and your descendants. And he reiterates this blessing again that, he, that God gave to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. And after the dream, he takes the stone, he sets the pillar and he, he pours oil on it and says, this is Bethel, which means... <coughs> House of God, that's right. There's a lot of churches called Bethel, aren't there? There's just one down uh, Green Lane just there. Big church in America called Bethel as well. A lot of churches. It's a good name for a church, isn't it? House of God. That's, you know, what a standard thing. We'll stick to Salvation Army for now. But, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, and then he makes a vow at the end. And he more or less kind of says, you know, if God will be with me, then he will be my God. So what can we draw from this story today all our preaching we want to to make sure that we in the 21st century in liverpool we have things that we can reflect on and impact the way that we live our lives what does this passage say to us today i think there are three things the first is that jacob meets god on the way somewhere 
He's going somewhere, isn't he? Trying to get to his relative Laban. He's trying to get away from his, um, his brother. He's trying to kill him. But he's also trying to get to his uh, relative to find a wife for him. And he's in the middle of the wilderness. And God comes to him in this dream. He's not in a nice kind of home. He's not in a nice place. He's kind of almost like a refugee, I suppose, in some ways. You think of the crisis at the moment in, in, in Afghanistan. There's a crisis in Syria, but of course Ukraine at the moment. He's on the way, isn't he? He's trying to flee from someone who's trying to kill him. And then he says this in verse 16, after the, the dream. Verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. I was not aware of it. How often do we think we need to have arrived somewhere? before we can live properly for God, before we can receive God's blessings. I'm guilty of this. I'm 35 years old. You're meant to say, you don't look it, Sam. You, know? <laughs> you don't look a day over 25, but uh, <laughs> 35 years old. And I'm going to be honest, for much of my life, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and if I only just get to this, just get to this point, then I'll be okay. Then God will bless me. I'm just waiting for this to come, you know. And the reality is, until Jesus comes again, and one day this will happen, who knows? It might be by the end of this meeting. <laughs> I might be dead by the time that happens. But when Jesus comes again, of course, we know that every tear will be stripped, you know, from our eyes. That's what it says in Revelation. But until then, life will be difficult. And there will be, even though we, as John said, when he prayed for Ali and Ada, there will be tough times. But we can travel with God. But in the meantime, until Jesus comes again, we can be in communion with God. And I had a realisation recently, it was a Sunday, when I was here, and I said, this, this is my life. I'm not just waiting for it anymore to happen. Maybe when you're a teenager, you kind of think, well, what am I going to be when I'm older? What am I going to do? I had this realisation at 35, this is my life. I'm not waiting for it anymore. And God is with me. And God is with each of us. And we can experience God as we are on the journey. Even when we think about this church, you know, we might think, oh, we, we want to keep growing. We maybe want to lock the wall down. We want to establish more small groups. Actually, there's a danger that if we have this attitude, life will pass us by. And if we blink, we will miss it. I'm told that last week you sang the song, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day that God is with us. I'm always struck by a story that John Wilson shared with me. John's a bit surprised. I've name-dropped him there. But about three or four years ago, we were sitting in a small group, and he said he was walking around one day, and he saw God's abundant presence in a bollard. <laughs> just a standard bollard on the street and it wasn't particularly precious but he said to me he said the intricacy of the concrete <laughs> the different stones that made it up he just God spoke to him through it this amazing bollard and I was really challenged by that that God can speak through something as ordinary as a bollard what might God be trying to say to you today Maybe when you walk home, maybe you see a bollard or a pavement or, a, you know, or something more profound like a sunset, maybe, you know. But God speaks to us in the midst of uh, things that are going on. 
how, how can we encounter him? I love this quote. There's this um, uh, Anglican vicar, Tish uh, Warren, who said this. She said, I want to a sign. It says, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. <laughs> I was and remain a Christian who longs for revolution, for things to be made new and whole and beautiful in big ways. But what I'm slowly seeing is that you cannot get to the revolution without learning to do the dishes. <laughs> the kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet, repetitive and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily scuff and get to the thrill of edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of Christian faith, the making the bed, doing the dishes, praying for your enemies, the reading of the Bible, the quiet, the small, that's that God's transformation takes root and grows. Isn't that beautiful? Just a reminder to each of us. At the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember in January, I'm sure you remember all my sermons, but um, I challenged us to think, what's the plan for this year, for this church? And I said, faithfulness. Just faithfulness in those everyday things, coming to God, reading our Bible, praying, offering kindness to our neighbours, loving our neighbours. So that's the first point. God you know, is with us in the everyday things. The second point, to look at this um, image of the stairs and the ladder, this beautiful picture. I'll go back to it so you can see it again. What does it mean? Well, you know what they say. You never trust a ladder. It's always up to something. <laughs> Bad attempt at a joke. Sorry, that's fine. What does it mean? Um, the ladder where they're going up and down. Well, to the readers of the book of Genesis, and we actually skipped this bit, so I'm sorry about that. But if you read the book of Genesis all the way through, you'd be reminded of a story earlier on in uh, just a few chapters earlier. What do you, do you think? What does this maybe remind you of? Kind of going up to heaven. The, the Tower of Babel, that's right. So in, uh, in the earlier chapters, um, there's this story, isn't there, of people trying to get their way up to God, building through their own strength, trying to get up to God. And what does God do? He makes them speak different languages. He kind of takes them down a peg, I suppose. He makes them think that, you know... You can't do this by yourselves. And how often in our lives do we just clench our fists and try harder and harder to get through to God through our own effort? I do that so often. And in some philosophies of the world and some philosophies of life, that's all there is. A world without God. I preached at Christmas, you know, about the word becoming flesh. And if you don't believe that that's true, well, what else is there in a cold and unfeeling universe just to keep trying your best to kind of get through this world? But in comparison to this, this story of the people's effort to get to God in the Tower of Babel, which ends in complete failure and people get scattered around the whole world, the truth is that we know that we need God to come down to us, don't we? It needs to be God's initiative first. In verses 12 and 13, it says there were angels ascending and descending. And there's God at the top. This is a picture of a God 
who wants to be involved in the world. He doesn't just make the world and say, get on with it. You can do it yourself. In some philosophies, that's an idea of who God is. You know, he kind of makes the world and says, well, you get on with it. No, throughout the Bible, God is involved. He wants to be involved with his people. And you know, there's even better news for us as Christians. Because we know the true identity, don't we, of this ladder. The true identity of this ladder is Jesus. We have this revelation since Jesus was sent down by God. And in fact, we even have a story in the New Testament where Jesus kind of alludes to this. He says in John chapter 1, it's a special story for, for Jenny and I because it mentions our, our son, Nathaniel, <laughs> who we named him, him after. Jesus sees Nathaniel in John chapter 1 and he says, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? How do you, who, you know? And Jesus says, I saw you under a fig tree. And Nathaniel says, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. And then Jesus says this in verse 51. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened. I think I've got a thing here. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Jesus is this ladder. He is the mediator between heaven and earth. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the way to God. He is the way to God, Jesus Christ. And we know, don't we, that without Jesus, there is a barrier to God. Sin. The sin that gets in the way of our relationship with God. It distorts that relationship. It distorts our relationship with others. In fact, sin distorts our relationship with everything. But as we're approaching Easter, aren't we, in the next few weeks, we're reminded that Jesus died on the cross to take away our sin so that we can have access to God and we can encounter him today. He is the ladder. What good news this morning. And finally, I just wanted to look at this final vow at the end. Um, I'm going to bring it up on the the screen here because Jacob, after this vow, he says this. He says, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and if, if and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. And it sounds a little bit like Jacob's bargaining, doesn't it, with God? You kind of say, well, you know, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And there is a place, isn't there, for testing God in, in Scripture um, to see what God is saying. In Judges, Gideon puts out a fleece to test if he understands what God is saying right. In the New Testament, we have this word, discernment, over and over again. Discern the spirits, discern the powers, discern what is right. But I don't think that's necessarily what Jacob is is saying here. Another way to read this is, Jacob is, is not going into this with doubt, thinking, well, you know, if only God will do this, then I'll go and do this. But he's going in with confidence. And he's saying that he's experienced God in this dream. And he's maybe summarising God's promises. So he's kind of saying, you know, if in doing these things God will do this, then I know that God can be relied on. It's just a little challenge to us, I suppose, to finish with. How do we 
approach situations in your life? How do you approach situations? Do you approach them with fear, generally? Not trusting that God has delivered in the past? Or do we go into them summarising the faithfulness of God like Jacob? It doesn't mean we can never be afraid or nervous in, in situations that we, we approach, but knowing that God will deliver. When we arrived in Liverpool five and a half years ago now, we were nervous. I'd never barely been both north of Birmingham. <laughs> All these northerners, what's going to happen? <laughs> But uh, not only have we flourished and met all of you beautiful people, and God has given us such an amazing time, but I found that God actually lives in Liverpool. <laughs> not down south, you know, with all those southerners. Best city, city of the world, that's right. Are you facing a situation, maybe in your life at the moment, where you're struggling to, to see what the future is going to be? Struggling to know? Let's... Join with Jacob and say that the Lord will be our God. Just quite a simple point perhaps to finish on there. So to summarise, firstly, God meets us on the journey, on the everyday things of life. We don't have to have mountaintop experiences every single day, do we? Of course, those mountaintop experiences are great and we want them and we pray for them and we pray for God to move more powerfully. But perhaps God that's up to God. That's not up to us. We don't make that happen. In the meantime, we pray that God will reveal himself in ordinary situations like bollards. Secondly, we do not build our way to God, but he comes down to us first. Such a, 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 just a key element of the Christian faith, but we get it wrong so often, don't we? And thirdly, we can trust in God's promises that he... You know, in the way that Jacob summarised them at the end, you know, you know, if God is if God is faithful, which He is, then we can trust in Him. So, we're going to respond now um, by singing a song. Love came down, so I'd like to ask the the band to come up. And it speaks of this truth that love came down. We didn't reach up. The song could be said we jumped up, but we didn't. Love came down to us in the same way that God spoke to Jacob with those angels coming up and down so perhaps there's something that spoke to you in that perhaps you want someone to pray with you you're always welcome to come to the mercy seat you can pray where you are if there's anything else you want prayer for at the moment just come and speak to someone that's it I'm going to hand over to Dan